Hi, how are you? <laughs> you were... Hi, good. Sorry, I was planning to be 10 minutes, but it's, it's good, it's fine. Um, 
if you could make me moderator since you opened the room you're the moderator now so um how you do okay. this is you click uh -huh. on my profile and uh -huh. then on the bottom there should be an option um make a moderator yes yeah. i did that great perfect thank you so much how are you good good so you can hear me fine yes mm -hmm. i can hear perfect. you perfect put the link up that you shared with me that's great so you'll put that on the chat here as well so uh this link i put on top of the room so do oh, you above our I, I saw it yes yeah exactly and then i will also um in the chat i will put the link to your um to your website to your research website mm -hmm. that will be fine uh, that website also listed uh, on the last slide of my talk okay all right and um and then the link to the paper to the specific paper I'll also put that. very good yeah thank you for being here ali that's great it's my pleasure i'm excited about uh, joining this platform and talking about it this is a great experience for me as well yeah i'm thank you for inviting me in the first place <laughs> oh yeah thank you uh hi frank come up i haven't talked to you in a while welcome nice to see you hello karina hello ali yeah meet um our guest speaker dr ali Dermichi. i hope i'm saying your name the your last name you said it perfect that's good <laughs> Okay, perfect. Yeah, and meet Frank. He's uh, really, he always has really great questions, and uh, it's always cool. great to have him. Thank you. Uh, I'm really intrigued by doctors' are interesting research applying laser uh, to very interesting, you know, uh, biological applications. Looking so forward. You are, you are in laser? Field? No, I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm. Uh, uh, say, uh, I work with uh, uh, materials, and mm. uh, but uh, definitely a great fan of uh, physics. So, I uh, definitely, you know, I I I find that so the yeah. uh, in terms of uh, scientific methods, you know, uh, new tools always you know enable great yeah. findings. So that's why. You know, well, I will, always I, will, I will mention it in the beginning. I'm not a physicist. I'm, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I hope you are not going to ask me too much question about the technology itself. Uh, so I'm not the expert on that. So I'm, you'll hear from my talk. We are uh, looking into more it is application rather than technology uh, itself so hopefully so till it's useful for you i hope you will find it still useful oh uh, yeah i'm um, i mean the application the the, the science itself is uh, is right. is the more important right so that's why uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting <laughs> yeah 
right? Well, thank you for joining us. Yep. Great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm quiet because I'm in sharing it on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. <laughs> so, so I just uh, I, I just read your email. I didn't read it very well last time. I guess you asked my Twitter account. I just send you an invitation to follow you so you can see my account there as well. Oh, okay, let me check. And I'm not a very active Twitter user, I have to say that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm oh, more for... active in LinkedIn. But I can link, but, oh, okay. Let me, well, let me check if you're, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you so much for telling me because, um, I was sharing on Twitter, but it's not your your really Twitter handle that is connected. <laughs> I'll change that there. Yeah. Thank you. So my Twitter account is my last name and ALD. Demirce ALD. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> now you should also get the notification. Hi, everyone. Welcome. We'll start in a few minutes on top of the hour. Um, thank you so much for coming. If you feel like this is uh, cool that other people would, your friends would enjoy this room, feel free to share it. <clears throat> um, and um, yeah, looking forward to this talk it will be really interesting. And um, Feel free to raise your hand or use the chat for asking questions or comments. Um, and um, yeah, we'll start in a few minutes. Stay tuned. <laughs> Did you have time uh, to to be on Clubhouse and check if there's like other things you like on here? There's like in the morning uh, meditation. There are meditation rooms all the time and live music and a lot of politics, of course. Well, like topic topics are very 
diverse. Uh, I went there yesterday to just you know, room around and see how it works. It's very interesting concept. I'm sure after this, I might look into that more often. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's another thing you can get addicted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as it's useful, I know these are good addictions. Yeah, if you use um, it wisely, like anything else. Exactly, I agree. I use it mostly to learn something or stay. I like um, in the morning listening to news on here because then there's this club that has an expert talking experts talking about and commenting on the news <coughs> so yeah it's interesting um so i use mostly for learning sometimes for meditating there is one woman she's really good she has such a calm voice <laughs> i never really meditated but since i went to that those rooms i kind of enjoy it when she's talking so well that's why she can meditate <laughs> <laughs> yeah Aram, it's um she has a very soothing voice so so, so uh katarina when uh participants click that uh, file you share on top of the screen they can access the file is it yes mm -hmm. okay frank can you check if you can click on the pre presentation oh yes uh, uh it works uh, perfectly uh, i'm okay. actually usually uh send that link to uh my desktop and so i, I read it on a different screen uh that works better for me but uh, i think the, it works on phone as well Great, great. Yeah, it works on my phone, so yeah, it should be good. Um, yeah, we'll start in... Oh, perfect. Thank you, Siam. I hope I said your name right, Siam. Um, Hi, John. Hi, LT. Hi, Ali. Kevin, welcome. And Hassan, CM Alpha. Uh, we will start shortly. In the meantime, we have two minutes left. Um, I shared in the chat the lab website where you can uh, look up um, more of the research and then also the paper. And um, yeah, and the presentation is on top of the room. Okay, I forgot to add the topics. <laughs> and feel free to invite people and share the room. Um, in the meantime, if you feel like this is something interesting.
and people will start coming in. We post at uh, 6 p.m. EST time. So people usually start coming in um, a few minutes after, but we can slowly start with the, um, with the introduction, I think. And then we, we will go from there. <laughs> So, um, yeah, welcome everyone to Science Society. Um, and of course, a special welcome here to Dr. Ali Demirti. And, and um, thank you so much for coming and for doing this. Um, it's really nice of you um, to offer us this time and making the account and everything. I know it's kind of a sometimes a hurdle, so we really appreciate that. So thank you from all of us. And hi, Dr. Shah, welcome. How are you today? Just hi, everyone. <laughs> just in time, we were just about to start. Perfect. And um, yeah, before we start, let me introduce you a little bit to the audience so uh, people get to know a little bit about you. So um, Dr. Ali Demirci, he's a professor of agricultural and biological engineering and bioprocess and food safety engineering. And um, he did his, um, his Bachelor of Science in food engineering. Um, and I won't say, uh, I won't say the real name, right? So I'll just say Middle East Technical University. And then he did his PhD at Iowa State University in food science and technology. And um, later he did, he was a research associate at the Iowa State University and a visiting scholar at Merck and CSL Bering. And um, then he was a full professor at Penn State University um, for over 23 years now. So, um, and he, his areas of uh, research and expertise are bioprocess engineering, fermentation, and um, bioconversion of agricultural raw and waste commodities into value added products including bioenergy, biofuels, microbial enzymes, organic acids, um, antimicrobial agents, um, and novel bioreactors, and then also um, food engineering and food safety um, technologies. So it's really a fascinating area of research that you do and i think it's becoming probably more and more important with climate change and everything i think so thank you so much for coming and we usually ask like a couple of questions interview questions before we start so did you always want to become a scientist um or be in the field of science or, um, you know, was there something, maybe a book or a teacher or professor or some class that kind of uh, sparked your interest and motivation to go into the field of science? 
Well, first of all, thank you for this great introduction. I couldn't do as good as you did. Now I know who this person is. So you, you did it extremely well. Thank you so much. And to answer your question is, well, uh, I didn't think anything until I, I'm in the senior year in my college. Then in the, my senior year, I determined myself that I'm going to be a professor. So that was my goal and ambitions. And because I like to new discoveries, I like research, and also I like to share that with the next generation by educating the you know, students and anybody uh, needs this information. So I like to teach, I like the research. That's why uh, that's been my ambitions uh, since I started my master's degree many, many years ago. So since then I'm having the same passion still. That's wonderful that you could follow your passion and work in, you know, the field or, you know, work in something you're passionate about. I think that's, that we are very fortunate. Well, so. I heard, I heard something from one of my colleagues at Penn State. He said, Penn State is paying me to do my hobby. I was really intrigued with that statement because that's exactly resonate with me. So this is my hobby, if you call it that way. Well, that's wonderful. That's a huge achievement by itself, I think, a life yeah. achievement. So, and um, how did you choose this field of research? And is there maybe interesting story also around this project? You know, sometimes there's something that it was very hard to get funding if people think. You know, we had people coming here saying, you know, people thought I was crazy. <laughs> but Or was it very easy? We had people saying, oh, this was funded right away. There was no issue. <laughs> like, right. how, how did you like this? Like, how did, did you choose the field? And then how did this project came about? Well, I chose the field of food engineering by luck, basically. Back in my home country, uh, I'm originally from Turkey. You make 20 choices when you enter the university entrance exam. And those 20 choices may be very different than each other. So based on your uh, exam scores, you are placed in one of those choices. So this was my last engineering choice. And after that, it was completely different field. So basically, I entered this field by luck, but I'm glad that I did. Since day one, I'm really, really uh, appreciating and enjoying the field that I'm in. So sometimes luck brings you. In the, in my case, I think that's exactly the case. That's wonderful. Um, so yeah, I'm so glad everything worked out <laughs> because that's. That's how this situation came about that we get to learn from you today. Right. So um, the stage is yours for your presentation. The link for everyone is on top of the room. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. All right. Thank you again for this kind introduction. And welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you for your time joining us. I'll say this evening here in US in East Coast. It's a 6 p.m. in the mm -hmm. evening. I don't know where are you joining us. If you are from other parts of the world, it may be midnight or afternoon. So wherever you are, I hope you are having a good time today. So 
uh, I'm here to talk about a part of my research. Uh, I hope you will uh, enjoy it, but uh, feel free to ask me any question. I'm not expert or, or, on everything, but I'll do my best to respond your question as much as I know. So to start with, uh, I don't need to spend too much time in this uh, slide because uh, Katerina did an excellent job. Where did I de do my degrees? So I did uh, food engineering uh, undergraduate in Middle East Technical University in Turkey, which is one of the uh, premier university in Turkey, so very highly ranked. And I did my uh, PhD in food science and technology with a chemical uh, in food at Iowa State with a chemical engineering minor in it. So basically my research uh, includes two distinct areas, but the uh, overlap is the microbial systems. So basically either I use microorganisms to produce value added products. So this goes into the bioprocessing and fermentation. By the way, uh, those of you uh, download the uh, 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 the PowerPoint PDF. I hope you are following me. So uh, since I cannot share my screen, I'm just switching the slides and I didn't even notice that I'm not sharing the screen. So I think from now on what I will say, uh, I go to next slide so you can also select the screens uh, as we go. So I'm now on the slide number two, which is my education listed here. And then I'll go to three when I go out the next. So you can also select the uh, slides and then we can go through together. So then uh, in, when I came to uh, Iowa State, uh, even though it was a food science and technology major, I chose fermentation as a research topic for my PhD because I love micro microbiology. I'm intrigued with the microbi uh, microorganisms. That's why I wanted to use them to produce value-added product. That's why I did fermentation research. Uh, so when I came to Penn State, I continued that. I go to the now next slide, slide number three. Uh, I work on many, many different applications of fermentation to produce pharmaceuticals, enzymes, polymers, uh, food additives, as, especially recently uh, in the last five years or so, we are more into the renewable energy because uh, there is a need to uh, replace the fossil energy uh, sooner or later. So we are working extensively on that. So basically in this field, we work on uh, optimization of the process, reactor design, basically how we can improve this microbial operation or processing to produce uh, microbial products faster and at higher level. Next slide. Uh, on the other end, the other side of the research, this time I use my background not to grow, to produce products, just opposite to kill the pathogenic microorganisms. So basically in my lab, we either grow them if they are behaving good or killing them if they are, of course, dangerous to us. So in that research in food safety engineering, I work specifically uh, non-thermal technologies such as I listed on slide number four, next slide, ozone, electrolyzed oxidizing water, and today's topic, ultra uh, pulse UV light, uh, we call it, uh, 
and irradiation, high pressure, etc. a lot of uh, novel technologies that I work on. We need to work on this area because even the uh, US is the most technological country on the face of the earth, but unfortunately, uh, still we are getting, according to CDC, about 3,000 deaths every year because of the foodborne uh, infections. Therefore, we as a food engineers needs to uh, develop some novel or effective processes that we kill microorganisms, especially pathogenic microorganisms on the food before uh, we sell it to the market and consumers. So today we are going to focus on one of those technologies, pulse UV light. If you slide to next slide, slide number five. So this slide is really telling us basically the uh, grandfather of this technology, which is the UV light. UV light itself is another novel technology, human being using this over 100 years now. So basically UV light kills the microorganisms uh, at a certain range, especially 258. Uh, anything, you know, around that, it basically uh, makes dimers in the uh, pyrimidines on DNA, and that will prevent them to uh, replicate it. So basically, they just uh, stop replicating their DNA because of this, and they die. So it's been used in the uh, various applications everywhere, all around the world, including uh, air uh, the, uh, sanitation, uh, like when you go to restaurants or when you go hospitals, you see a UV light uh, hang on the wall or on the ceiling to make sure that air is sanitized. And of course, we use that a lot in water uh, applications. We can make water decontamination. But when it comes to direct food applications, it may be limited because it requires, I mean, your typical UV light systems on the provide very low energy. So it means that you need to uh, extend the treatment times. Uh, so in food application, food processing, you cannot treat this hours and hours. Everything needs to be in matter of minutes or seconds because of the high capacity of the production. Therefore, UV light did not find too much place in the food processing because of this limitation. Next slide, slide number six. That's why this pulse UV light technology came up in the last two decades or so. Basically what it does, it stores the energy in the capacitors and then pulses uh, intermittently. So basically you can have three, four or five pulses per second. So each pulse duration, of course, short, shorter than that, 100 to 400 microseconds. So basically, Instead of giving the energy light continuously, you are hammering it. You just hold it, release it, hold it, release it. So that makes the energy level instantly high when it is applied. So in short time, this process considered non-thermal, but the process has to be short. As you increase the process time, that is going to, of course, absorb another, a lot of energy and it will increase the temperature. But in short time, it is considered non-thermal. And good thing is in 1999, FDA approved this uh, to certain limits. So it is now available for industry to adopt this technology if they chose so. So in my lab, I have a couple systems that I work. The next slide, 
slide number seven. So this is the one that uh, benchtop system. So basically schematic is obvious there. It has a chamber and on the top of the chamber, there is a UV lamp. It's like a microwave basically. So you put your samples or material that you want to treat in the chamber and then close the lid and turn the machine on with this UV lamp. It goes, uh, uh, you know, treatment and makes the inactivation happens. The difference between this and the regular UV, regular UV, conventional UV, use a fixed wavelength, 258 nanometer, and it is made of mercury, the lamp made of mercury in the lamp, there is a mercury in it. But this lamp is providing a broad band. It goes from 100 nanometer to 1100 nanometer, and uh, it is a white bread, uh, bread. But the uh, majority or more than 50% of the light is in the UV range. That's why we call this a satellite UV light. Basically, it has all the visible and infrared uh, region, but UV is the one that main region that's still uh, be very effective in killing. So you are gonna see some of the results later on on this. So next slide, this was a, one of our first uh, published paper we did in early 2000s. So as you can see in the first slide of first graph on the top on the left, and you can see that we can kill complete inactivation after five seconds in buffer solution. Uh, this was a st uh, Staphylococcus aureus. And if you look at the right uh, top graph, that indicates the solid application. So basically, uh, we inoculate the, our, our agar plates with uh, microorganisms and we kill them on the surfaces like that. So in liquid and the solid, as you can see, within five seconds, we did complete inactivation. So that was amazing. So we can get up to seven or eight log reduction within five seconds. So if you look at the graph in the lower end, the lower part, you see that within five seconds, there is no significant temperature increase of the surrounding. So therefore, we can claim that at short time, this is a low uh, uh, non-thermal process. But if you continue to treat it, as you can see, temperature creeping up to 40, 45 or 50 degrees Celsius within 20 minutes. So the next slide, number nine, uh, the, this is the uh, electron uh, microscope of it. The left is before the uh, treatment, right is after the treatment. The left, before the treatment of this uh, Staphylococcus aureus, as you know, the cells are intact. But after the treatment, you see some of the cells are exploded. So that is because of the high power of the uh, treatment, it makes some of the uh, cells are exploded, which you don't see this with the conventional UV. The next slide, we, of course, uh, scientists, we like to uh, hypothesize what might be going on, how this is being uh, inactivating. So we come up with three different theories. One of them is, of course, like UV itself, it makes the photo photodimerization uh, uh, of pyrimidine bases. So they make the cross-link of the timing, timing, and other pyrimidine. That's the same effect with the regular conventional UV. But also this, because of the infrared uh, part of the light, 
it makes a localized high temperature, how high heating. So that makes a temperature shock. And finally, this is a pulse system. It makes a very good vibrations. So as a result of this three, we hypothesize that this is the, the mechanism for the inactivation and also for explosion of the submuscular cells. The next slide, of course, there is a concern like in, in other technologies, uh, there is some limitations and concerns. Concern for this is, even though it is a powerful uh, energy delivery system, but still it is a light, it will penetrate to the surfaces uh, to certain extent. Uh, but we have some research showing that it can go much deeper than the regular conventional uh, treatment. And also if the material is color, uh, so it will absorb a lot of energy extra and it will make the temperature of the material much higher. So if the product is opaque, it's, you expect that uh, you need to provide more treatment time because before it reached the microorganisms, the product itself absorbed the energy. So therefore, if the product is transparent or material is transparent, the efficiency of this technology increased dramatically. Slide number 12, we were looking for over the years how we can apply this to some food uh, decontamination area. One of the first research we have done was on inactivating the alpha-alpha seeds. You know, if you go to restaurant or subs, you like to have alpha-alpha sprouts uh, as a veggie on it. But these sprouts, when they are sprouting, can grow also a lot of microorganisms with it. Therefore, seed has to be decontaminated before the sprouting. So in order to make sure that they are decontaminated properly, we said maybe we can use the pulse UV to do that. As you can see, within 60 seconds or 90 seconds of treatment time, we achieved the complete uh, uh, inactivation of the uh, added uh, uh, pathogenic microorganism. In this case, it was E. coli O1587. So if you go to, and also the good thing is about this, uh, even though we are inactivating the microorganisms, we did not affect significantly germination capability of the seeds, because that's the most important quality parameter. Otherwise, if you kill the seeds also, there is nothing you can separate from it. So that was the research that we published uh, at that time. Okay, if you move to the slide number 13, this is an application that we wanted to use it for milk uh, pasteurization. Again, we use Staphylococcus aureus as a model microorganism. We pass the milk through a glass tubing under this light, and we did, of course, several design uh, parameters. We uh, evaluate the distance, number of passes, flow rates, uh, and we can also did uh, measure the residence time. So the next slide, if you look at it, you were able, we did some experimental design with distance, number of passes and flow rates. We were able to pinpoint two conditions that we were able to get the uh, complete inactivation of the um, pathogenic microorganism in that milk. However, uh, of course, uh, there are some limitations. When we tried this with the whole milk, uh, after the treatment, we felt that nobody wants to drink that whole milk uh, again because UV light 
uh, oxidizes the fat and it gives a lot of high uh, flavor uh, outcome. I mean, it's very, uh, odor was very distinct. So you don't want to drink such a milk anymore because it is oxidized very badly. So therefore, we had to use for this research the skim milk, meaning that you just remove the fat. And for skin ma uh, milk, uh, this was a viable technology and we can still maintain the quality. If you go to the next slide, slide number 15, in that research, we wanted to now this time uh, evaluate this for the blueberries because a lot of small fruits that you consume every day, like blueberry, raspberry, strawberry, they are not washed at the manufacturing site because if they wash, they are washed, their shelf life is going to drop completely or dramatically. Therefore, they are not washed. Uh, so we need to look for a technology that we can decontaminate these fruits without using water, uh, without using water, uh, dry system. And we thought past light may be the uh, one opportunity for this area. As you can see, uh, as we increase the time uh, and also as we change the distance from the uh, light bulb, we can get the inactivation uh, to three or four log reductions. For those of you who don't maybe get me get a uh, good meaning of what does this mean two log reduction or three log reduction when i say two log reduction it is basically uh, 99% inactivation one log is 90% inactivation two log 99% inactivation when i say three log it is 99.9% .9 inactivation and it goes on like this so basically as you get closer to the uh, light inactivation goes higher because there is more energy delivered at that shorter distance. If you go to slide number 16, this was another unique research we have done, this time for the poultry application. So as you see, this uh, chicken breast, we package them. Without packaging or with packaging, we wanted to uh, see if we can inactivate the uh, microorganism from the chicken services surfaces. And the next slide, slide number 17, as you can see, we were able to get within the 60 seconds uh, in uh, shorter distances, two, up to 2.4 uh, log reduction. It means that 99.9 .9 almost in inactivation. However, because of the fat content of the poultry, it gives us some quality changes because of the oxidation again. So therefore, we need to find a treatment time that is not only give me give us a good inactivation, but also we can uh, maintain the quality. As you can see, without packaging, in 15 seconds, we can get two log reduction and good quality. But if you have this chicken in the package, plastic packaging, that plastic packaging, of course, absorbs some of the energy. Therefore, we need to have longer time. So we have to get 30 seconds uh, treatment for the same uh, inactivation uh, performance. If you go to slide number 18, of course, the research we have done earlier was on the lab scale in the industry. They are not going to be doing the treatments like that. They want to treat this chicken whole chicken in the conveyor. So basically, we were able to design a, a system 
we put the lamps on the both sides of the chamber and we with a conveyor a computerized uh, control conveyor we were able to move the whole chicken between these light boxes and slide number 19 you can see the real uh, picture of the system that we put together as you can see and the whole chicken is being hanged before uh, it is being treated so if you look at the slide number 20 next slide as you can see uh, we were able to uh, do 60 second treatment and get one log reduction and without affecting the quality of the uh, chicken of course if you can increase the treatment time you can get a better inactivation but it also changed the quality slightly so basically you need to find an optimum treatment time and in one log it is 90 percent uh, the reduction i think for the whole chicken scenario this is a still a good uh, inactivation without using any chemical or anything so you can just use the dry treatment light to get this kind of inactivation and also keep in mind that when we do our research we increase the uh, microbial population purposely to very high and in a typical application in the real world the uh, population may be not that high so it means that when the population is low maybe this even this much treatment will be able to kill every naturally occurring microorganism on that surfaces so if you look at this uh, next slide 21 this time we were thinking how we can apply this technology for the liquid systems well in order to do that of course we did the milk earlier but the milk was uh, pumped through the tube uh, glass tube under the light but when that happens the light is coming from this one direction so the bottom of the tube flowing may not be seeing the uh, high amount of energy because it has to pass through the whole content therefore with uh, discussion with the manufacturer we come up with a design this is like a, a tube in tube system so we have a cylindrical pipe chamber and we install the lamp right in the middle of that pipe basically we can pump the liquid around the uh, uh, lamp within that chamber so it cuts the distance half and you can also use the light 360 degree as it goes so this is a picture of it the lab setup the next slide 22 you can see there is a uh, chamber that chamber equipped with the light itself and you pump the liquid uh, from one end to the other end as it goes it can inactivate the microorganism of course the first area that we wanted to do since we know that this works very well for transparent systems we want to target the uh, pure water because in pharmaceutical industry and semiconductor industry they use a lot of pure water and it has to be sterile so basically we got the pure water and then with the different settings of the pipe uh, pump we pass this water through the uh, chamber at the highest level of the pump we were of course decreasing the residence time and you can see on the next slide number 23 we were able to inactivate all of the uh, microorganisms in this case we use bacillus subtilis those of you 
uh, no microbiology. Bacillus subtilis is a spore-forming microorganisms, and they are stronger microorganisms to inactivate. So therefore, we chose the strongest one uh, so that we can show the effectiveness of this. So even so, we were able to demonstrate we can inactivate all these spore formers at even highest uh, uh, flow rate. It was in our setup 14 liter per minute. And of course, there is a, a scientific fact that cells can repair themselves after the UV treatment. So we wanted to show that this is inactivated completely, not injured. So we grow them under the light or in the dark incubators. And after several days incubation, no growth observed. So we can clearly show that we were able to inactivate them. So if you look at the slide number 24, the next slide, this time we wanted to see if we can do this for the uh, wastewater effluent. Those of you know the wastewater treatment process, uh, last step of the wastewater treatment is the decontamination step, sanitation step. And wastewater treatment plants usually use chlorine to inactivate the, any possible potential pathogenic microorganism in their treated water uh, before they release that into environment. Or they can use the regular UV light, but mostly they are using the uh, chlorine treatment because regular UV light requires so much uh, treatment time and they don't have that much time uh, uh, remaining, uh, you know, it's a faster processing uh, line for them. So we said maybe we can use the pulse light uh, to offer this industry, this technology, if we show them. So basically we got the, our university's wastewater treatment plant effluent, and then we try to inactivate the uh, Bacillus subtilis, which is the spore former, as I explained earlier, and also vegetative cells, which is the E. coli in this case. So as you can see, vegetative cells, we were able to inactivate completely until 12 liter per minute. And spores can be completely inactivated until six or seven liters per minute, because after that they start to uh, survive. As you can see, as you increase the flow rate, uh, it will, efficiency will drop. So we said those of the time, if we want to uh, still inactivate, but we want to run it at a higher flow rate. We said in, in uh, how we can maybe do it at several passes. So we have some other research data that published in this paper. We can see two, three uh, passes can still uh, make it complete inactivation. So this was a very intriguing research. And what also we were intrigued, if you look at the slide number 25, we did not expect this at all because our target was to inactivate the microorganism. But we were curious also to see if there is any change the quality parameters of this wastewater effluent. So we measured the before the treatment and after the treatment, turbidity, suspended solids, COD and TOC. And we noticed that we were actually changing those also in the favor of the quality. So we get 50% less turbidity 
55% less suspended solid, and more importantly, 79% less COD, uh, chemical oxygen demand. So these are the parameters of the wastewater uh, before you release, it has to meet certain uh, you know, standards. So it means that if you use the pulse UV for inactivating microorganism for wastewater, you are not only inactivating the microorganism, but also you are making the effluent even much more cleaner. So that was very interesting uh, outcome for us. So uh, our latest research actually uh, initiated this uh, talk because because of our uh, latest uh, paper published in uh, Journal of Food Engineering, Penn State uh, sometime, uh, you know, usually highlights some of the important research coming out of the university. So they chose to highlight this research and that's how Katarina saw this, uh, you know, press release or news outlet. And then she contacted me, she asked if we, I can give a talk and share some of the, you know, information we have on this technology. So this was the outlet, uh, you know, news outlet on slide number 26. Slide number 27, uh, and uh, what we did, we have done a lot of uh, application. We want to understand a little bit more uh, fundamental information, how this technology is really uh, sorted out itself, because we say that it is uh, broadband and it has different types of the lamps commercially available. Uh, each one of them has a different wavelength. We wanted to know what part of this broadband is basically uh, more effective in killing microorganisms and what types of the lamps that manufacturer has with different wavelengths are more effective. So basically in this latest research, we evaluated three of the manufacturer lamps which is, uh, they call it C, B, and A. On slide number 27, if you look, C is wavelength covering 192 to 1100. C, B is 135 to 1100, and A is 380 to 1100. So, and also we use some filters to filter the lights for the visible light or near infrared light. So uh, we can add this, uh, see which part of the broadband is uh, more effective in inactivating microorganisms. So if you look at the slide number 28, uh, again, it gives you some more details about the types of the lamp and the filters that we use, which part of being filtered out. And if you look at 29, so you can see clearly uh, the whole spectrum is uh, the row uh, showing on this graph. And also we were able to use only the visible or only the visible and near infrared or only the infrared part of the light by using the filter uh, in on this system. So slide number 30 shows, uh, we use these three different lamps and we chose uh, various of microorganisms. And some of these microorganisms are uh, gram positive, some of them gram negative, and some are the uh, yeast and mold. Uh, 
So we wanted to see the differences for each lamp uh, in terms of the microbial type. So basically, if you uh, go to the next slide, slide number 31, I'm not gonna bore you to death uh, by giving all the uh, data that we published uh, in this paper, but instead I just want to give you some highlights of our uh, uh, observation because of the data we have obtained. So basically, our data on this paper showed type B and C flash lamps consistently achieved higher microbial inactivation than the type A. If you recall, type A doesn't have much the UV region and understandably, they, uh, they, it didn't do well in inactivating. Type B and C had the UV region and it shows higher performance. And with the filter application, we observed that uh, mostly inactivation happens because of the UV region of the light, which is very understandable. But still other parts can contribute slightly, but the main player is the UV uh, uh, part of the light. So this gives us a very good, uh, actually, uh, insight. Now manufacturers can look at this and say, if UV is the main player, maybe they can try to eliminate the infrared portion of the light. Then it will also reduce the heating effect. So therefore this will give some guidelines to the manufacturing uh, of this technology. So visible and near infrared uh, contribute negligible uh, inactivation, as I explained earlier. And in terms of the type of microorganism, uh, gram negatives are the most sensitive one. They are inactivated uh, easily. Uh, then gram positive comes, they are stronger than gram negative and supports and fungi are the most resistant one. So again, this is the order that how they are being affected by this technology. And also uh, we uh, did the uh, electron microscope uh, evaluation of only E. coli in this case. We noticed that E. coli cells were not exploded. Uh, morphology did not change basically significantly as we have seen earlier for the uh, previous uh, microorganism that we use, Staphylococcus aureus. So it means that every microorganism's uh, morphology will be affected differently. There is no uh, same effect for all of them. So you can read more about this uh, research and the data in this uh, re recent paper. I think Katerina shared the uh, uh, link for this paper for you as well in the chat box. And it was published uh, 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 recently in uh, Journal of Food Engineering. And if you are interested knowing more about the novel technologies in the food safety area, uh, I was the co-editor that we published a book in uh, 2012 it was microbial decontamination in food industry. And this was a, a 840 pages book. Basically, there are so many chapters in this book, including not, not only novel technologies coming out uh, in the research level. So I 
recommend you to get a copy of this from your library or wherever you can find. If you don't want to buy, libraries have this. And the second one actually came out just uh, two years ago. Uh, it was again the one of the co-editors. This is what we call food safety engineering uh, on slide number 34. And this book covers not only the novel technologies that is uh, coming slowly in the research arena to the application area, but also this book covers very nicely microbial, microbiology, uh, regulations in terms of food safety, what FDA and USDA requires, what is HACCP, uh, all those regulations are uh, clearly covered in this uh, book. So if you really want to learn more about uh, food safety engineering, I highly recommend you to uh, go through this book uh, if you can hold a copy of it. So slide number 55, I mean 35, I'm sorry. The next slide shows my website and you can see my website link and Katarina also put that on the chat, I believe. So you can uh, access to all of our publications over more than two dec decades of research. So this technology and other technologies we uh, use. So we have so many publications uh, you can look into. If you are interested in any of the papers, just send me an email. I'll be happy to provide you the electronic copy of this. Uh, or you can check the research gate. Those of you who doesn't uh, use ResearchGate often, I highly recommend that. So ResearchGate is a platform to bring the researchers with the readers. So you can go everybody's account and whatever paper publication you are interested, you can just click that and then say, I want it. I request it. So email comes to the PI or author, and then they send you the uh, copy of that uh, paper if they are authorized to share based on the copyright rules. So we have to, of course, pay attention to copyright rules. So you may be getting an email and saying, sorry, I cannot share this uh, because of the copyright rules. But if the copyright allow us to share, we are uh, happy to share like other authors uh, also like to share their work with the uh, respective audience. Well, my last slide is the thank you slide. Uh, I hope you really uh, learned something today. And if there is any question and any clarification needed, I'm going to stop here and I will open up for any question you might have. Thank you for your attention. Well, thank you so much, Ali, for this um, wonderful presentation and going over your work. and also sharing all the resources with us. I think that's really great that you shared with the audience uh, where people can get papers and how, because I think still a pretty big barrier for a lot of people to, you know, to follow their interest and, and reading. Well, it. that's why this research gate is a wonderful platform. Uh, you can, because sometimes papers, when you see a paper, they may not have the contact information of the author. So you cannot even contact them. But with ResearchGate, you just click a button and then it goes an email automatically to them. So I send uh, several requests daily basis. So it's really good platform to use if you want to access the knowledge uh, quickly and 
no cost. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's really wonderful. I use it a lot, but um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I recommend everyone to use it and make an account. And um, yeah, I have a question, a very practical one. Um, how fast will it be applied? Because is it in Mississippi where there's the crisis in the U.S. to have clean water? That because of floods, I think they have contaminated water and cannot for weeks now mm -hmm. use their tap water. Are you have getting requests from people from counties to use this technology, or is it still, you know, will it take some, I don't know, some more news to come yeah. out for people right. to pick it up? Well. I didn't get any request uh, related to that, uh, but to answer your question, uh, how ready this technology to be applied for high level commercial? Well, any new technology takes two, three decades to be really translated into the real world. And as the people, companies or the application or uh, whoever would like to use this, once they start using it, start to use it, the technology will develop accordingly. So that's the bottleneck, in my opinion, since this technology or any other novel or emerging technologies, they are still starting to grow and show the, uh, you know, proof of concept to the uh, end users. So until end users buy this, they, of course, improvements or development of this will be slow. So once it started to apply, the industry who manufacture these technologies will be able to uh, make this uh, at larger quantities and also or larger capabilities. And also this will translate to the cost. Think about uh, 20 years ago, if you buy a flat TV, screen TV, it was thousands of dollars, right? Three, four thousand dollars a flat screen TV. But now you can get it for hundred dollars. You see, the technology developed to make the technology even cheaper as people use more and more. So it is the same thing in any technology, like including this. Once industry pick this up, the manufacturer will improve their capabilities. And of course, it will pull the down, uh, cost down because their know-how cost will be shared uh, more widely rather than they have to make all the money from two three unit they sell per month so i found your paper really intriguing because during COVID times um there were i found online water bottles because i don't i don't like to buy the plastic ones i like to buy reusable ones and um you know in the beginning we didn't know you know how to what helps against COVID. <laughs> so there were these bottles that I found online that um, had the UV light cap. And then it said you should use it for like 10, 15 minutes on. Uh, the cap just leaks into the water bottle and then you can drink it safely. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> do you think those UV lights are sufficient? For well, for the for the water, water, for the water, yes, because water is clear, transparent media medium. So UV can pass and and UV is used in some uh, 
sterilizing or sanitizing water for drinking water, definitely. Uh, uh, but if it starts to have supports in it, it is harder to kill by UV because you need to increase the treatment time. Even past light, as I not show you, when it is uh, uh, fungi or when it is uh, bacterial spore formers, they are harder to kill. So that's the risk. And this pulse light can actually make that risk a little less. I'm not saying zero, but compared to the convention UV, uh, this might be more uh, uh, effective in killing even spore formers. But to uh, answer your question, uh, the, how we can use this for COVID or other pandemic, I was equipped to use this uh, to recycle some of the masks that uh, the healthcare industry is getting into shortage during the lockdown. Remember, masks were not uh, readily available for a while and getting supply chain problems. So uh, university, uh, like another big university, uh, make a big effort how we can use our uh, even uh, emerging technologies that we work in our laboratory to help uh, in this pandemic. So I was going to facilitate time to time and make sure my I have a pilot system. It's not a big commercial system. I was uh, making that system ready in case there is a really shortage of it. So we can at least uh, uh, recycle some of the mask and other uh, equipment used in the, you know, uh, uh, medical or hospital centers. That's interesting um, that you actually used that. We would have needed in the animal facility because yeah. we didn't have enough mass in the animal facility because yeah. we had to give it uh, to the hospital. <laughs> but anyway, um, the, I have one last question and then I give it to everyone else to have a question. Could you, in theory, use this also on blood from people? you know, all the antibiotic resistance um, problem that some hospitals face. Um, mm -hmm. Would it destroy the blood? Would, did you ever try? Well, I didn't do research on that, but the manufacturer of this uh, technology worked with another company. They uh, have a robotic system. Uh, they hospitals buy their system, especially during this pandemic time. So after the COVID patient died or discharged, whatever, so that room needs to be sanitized, right? So they send this robot into the room, they close the door, and then they sanitize the room. But of course, I didn't do any research. I cannot give you any data and saying that how effective it is. It must be effective enough that hospitals buying many of those uh, robots uh, for their hospital uh, sanitation purposes, especially patient rooms. So that's that's yeah. already find some application in the industry. I mean, in the hospitals. This yeah, technology. that's interesting. I was thinking about you know like how you clean the blood for when your kidney is failing. Hmm. If you could use UV light to kill COVID or other antibiotic resistant germs well, in the blood like sure. would the blood survive would the proteins crumble up or yeah. well possible but remember we need to look for application that is a potential for a, a success so blood itself is an opaque 
material. It has a lot of proteins, of course, a lot. I'm not an expert on blood to tell you what it is, uh, but it is red at least, right? It is not a transparent. So if this is a, a material like that we want to decontaminate, it requires more treatment uh, because of the opaqueness of the material. But that treatment, does it affect important vital components of the blood? Of course, I have no idea. Uh, I didn't do any research, but that's a great uh, area that at least somebody can think about and use this. But yeah, also for guess, transfusions, I would say maybe yeah, for yeah. plasma more. Uh, maybe to make plasma sure. is better yeah. because it is more clear, yellowish, not like red blood. Yeah, so, I mean that 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 niche, this technology is good for if the product is transparent. Yeah, thank you, um, Frank, Dr. Shah, everyone. Um, please go ahead and PTR. I guess if you have questions. Yeah, thank you so much, Ali, for I mean such a wonderful share with us. As uh, as to my knowledge, that uh, using of the UV as well as the frequency has its own history in the medicine. So still they are using the uv light it's not a new things but my question from you because uh, because of your expertise uh, that you know that right now we have a different type of the omics and we have some of the tools like uh, crispr cas system mm -hmm. uh, first of all what type of uh, because you talk about the escherichia coli bacillus did you work with the pseudomonas or streptomyces this is one of my questions and also you know that we have a RNS right now, which is uh, from the ROS. How do you see the integration, all of these, I mean, approaches beside your work? Right. Well, of course, we choose in our application the microorganism that is important uh, or dominant in the food area. That's why I'm a food engineer. So we look at the food processing more than other areas. But if uh, this kills one certain type of microorganism, of course it kills many others. But again, as I presented in my research, even the last paper, we evaluated several species from gram positive to negative and uh, you know, mold and spores, they show variations in their effectiveness. So whatever field you wanna use, whatever microorganism you wanna use, of course it's gonna be uh, inactivating, but how efficient it is, it really depends on the uh, research that needs to be done. If you ask me those microorganisms, if I have any experience, no, we did not. So we focus on mostly the foodborne uh, microorganism or food important, uh, significant microorganism pathogens on it. Yeah, it was very interesting because in one hand, uh, with all of this technology, they are using the UV light in a positive way for act activation of the immune system in the plants. But uh, however, your technology is uh, opposite of that. That's why yeah. I just asked your opinion. Well, again, the effect, of course, I'm not the uh, person to give a scientific thing, but some effects are maybe positive effects on some uh, process, but after certain doses, it becomes negative. Uh, like even I give you an example of the salt. If you put a little salt, we make the proteins more uh, soluble. 
But if you put too much salt, it becomes opposite. It becomes insoluble. That's why we use in biotech area, we use salt to precipitate the proteins. You see, some have certain low levels, maybe uh, positive effects. When you change the dose or intensity, it may be negative. So this is the similar thing, right? As you said, you use the light, you will like to promote the growth, but I believe that is a very low dose of UV light. When it becomes high energy like this, so cells uh, cannot tolerate that anymore, so they start to inactivate. Again, please understand I'm an engineer. I have to make my disclaimer. I'm not a microbiologist that I know everything about microorganisms, uh, but this is a very good question that needs to be addressed, definitely. Thank you, Ali. And also, what was the average time for your treatment? Well, again, it depends on the application. If it is an opaque material, like for water or clear water buffer, it was five seconds to get eight log reduction. But if it is in milk, you can go to uh, two minutes or one and a half minutes. So that's why it varies, really. In another research, I didn't present that here, we wanted to use this technology for honey uh, pasteurization because in honey, the spores can survive. Even you pasteurize it, it can survive. And that's why honey is not good uh, for infants because they may have this uh, Clostridium botulinum uh, spores in it and it's their immune system not developed very well. Therefore, doctor says uh, don't consume uh, honey right for the infants so we said well maybe we can use this pulse light to do the uh, inactivation of this uh, uh, microbial bacterial spores so i and my student work on it we have to increase the treatment time to three four five minutes to get a complete inactivation but guess what even after three minutes honey starts to boil so even though we were able to boil the honey with this treatment, uh, we were able to get only one log reduction uh, in honey, which is only 90%. So if the pro, uh, material is opaque and uh, thick or solid, it needs longer treatment time. But this works for the surfaces if it is solid material. So surface inactivation is the best as it gets deeper and most of the food contamination on the surface. So, but if it gets deeper, so this is, a, as I said earlier in one of the slides, the two concern uh, penetration and uh, uh, of course, opaqueness of the material. Totally but, makes sense for pathogen. Yeah. They are in the surface mostly, even in yes. the plants. Yes. Thank you so much. But we, were, we did a research, it is not on the presentation, you may want to uh, look at that paper. We did some agar uh, model systems and we uh, seeded throughout the agar in that and we just did the treatment and cut the slice by slice from uh, the surface of the agar and see how deep this can reach and inactivate it. We were able to show on that research up to seven or eight millimeters, we were able to inactivate successfully the microorganism. So penetration takes place several millimeters, but of course, uh, 
it, it's not deep enough for some applications. Oh, hi, uh, Dr. Uh, Ali. Uh, thanks uh, for uh, sharing your interesting research with us. And uh, I I think this is definitely a different flavor from, uh, I mean, there's many uh, scientists on the, uh, also come to our club and uh, we invited, you know, physicists and uh, uh, biologists uh, uh, presenting scientific, uh, but this engineering side is also important as I, I believe that the, especially regarding food, which is mm -hmm. uh, so important to our, you know, daily well, well-beings, you know, even uh, survival. So my question are, I have, uh, uh, of course, um, mechanistic uh, type of questions as well as uh, engineering. How how to uh, look at the market? You know, the 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 product uh, uh, commercialization of your technology. So I guess the first question is the given your findings. Uh, what's your comparison uh, estimate? The uh, you, you uh, I, I got a few key facts that uh, the uh, your uh, technology research you know wor uh, works better for solid surfaces and uh, so you oh, you also mentioned you only select a few uh, germs or you know contaminations. Uh, is it uh, so usually? In what scenario usually? You know, I'm I'm imagining you know like the, you mentioned the skim milk, but the, most uh, also um, is rather limited if you couldn't differentiate between fats and you know other um, you know living cells, for example, uh, from you know, the com contaminations, right? And uh, you probably can uh, use uh, use a setup to say uh, with a, a, a you know explode, for example, a flow very shin feed of uh, water flowing through right that would be uh -huh. uh, some of them practical uh, uh -huh. yeah I, I guess uh, I, i'm trying to uh get you um, to, to share with us the, the focus you know what what the source of uh, uh condemnation and then in what does particular area that you think your product will sell yeah, yeah. or in the future yeah this is an excellent question of course as a researcher i work mainly for the lab scale and of course, in order to show the industry potential of scalability, we do pilot systems. We, we have a pilot system that we obtain, uh, developed uh, a couple of years ago. Now we can have a conveyor system that we can uh, analyze the different applications that typically industry uses. But is it at the high uh, uh, capability level? It is not, but we are just trying to show uh, whatever that we obtain in the lab, uh, we can apply that to the pilot systems. So after that, it is really depends on the industry and depends on the manufacturer. As a university researcher, of course, uh, we leave that to the industry to scale this up. And we leave this to the manufacturers to scale it up and design the system based on the need of the certain clients. So we are doing the kind of a middleman so middle person so research to the industry we do the transition but unfortunately i don't have the of course the capital or resources or time to really make this to the commercial level at high level to demonstrate it and apply it so as anybody else right researches show the direction 
So industry needs to pick this up. So that's why uh, I cannot really tell how the industry is going to go forward. As, as I said earlier, uh, if there is a need, if there is a demand, I think supply is uh, depend on the you know demand. So I'm sure uh, this can be developed further for bigger applications or uh, scales. Uh, okay, that's fair. The uh, let me uh, uh, so on the on your slides uh, uh, number nine and ten, uh, you do okay. show that. Uh, uh, so uh, so you mentioned there are three uh, for for the UV part, not the broadband uh, light part. So for the UV part, there are main, you listed mainly three uh, mechanisms potentially, and on the, uh, the slides number nine, you show the results of. So you mentioned this basically explosion of the mm -hmm. cell body. The yeah. so this is basically this number nine is the result of the heating. Well, that's why our theory based on this in the next slide, you see there is a, a photothermal effect and there is a photo uh, physical effect. Photothermal effect. What I mean by that, uh, if we measure the surrounding temperature in the bulk, the temperature is not increasing. Look at the slide eight. Within five seconds in liquid or in the surface, the temperature increase was really insignificant or same. Uh, but we were able to see this explosion still at that level because we uh, theorize or we hypothesize this because of the infrared part of the spectra it makes a localized heating around the cell. And that heat shock makes it uh, explode along with the vibration because the pulsing creates some vib uh, vibrations. So all of this together, it makes the cells, some of the cells explode. Basically, if you have a, a electron microscope slide of a UV treated one, you won't see any uh, morphological change because UV only affects the DNA. It doesn't affect the morphology of the cells. It is looks until intake, but cells are dead. But in this case, we know these cells are dead, but some of them are exploded, as you can see. Uh, I had more close-up slides, but I didn't put it in this uh, packet. But if you access to this paper, you can see much uh, other close-up uh, slides of this uh, explosion of the cells. Yeah, so so that actually answers my uh, yeah. kind of a per per um, perplexions. The because I was thinking, you know, that as you said, UV is uh, you know uh, treating inside with the DNA changes. Yeah. So, but this is uh, somehow is not consistent. I mean, it's it's somehow your your title is UV, but here is. Uh, actually see yeah. but remember uh, what, what say, you're showing is uh, is infrared the, the, right uh, but the we say we i said pulse uv and when we describe pulse uv we always say it's a broadband it is not a fixed wavelength in the uv region it goes roughly from 100 to 1100 so th that's why uh, some people call this uh, pulse light and i also call pulse light time to time but when you say you pass UV light, it has a point also because more than 50% of the energy is in the UV region. That's why we still call that 
paths you will like as well. So it is a, a you know a description uh, differences, but they are all uh, when once you well describe what it is, it doesn't matter how you call it. Oh sure, sure. So it's actually yeah. my own fault that when I came in, I had uh, the you know uh, perception. I thought it was a uh, UV pulse laser, so it was not. <laughs> but anyway, anyhow, yeah. I mean, given right. the, the engineering flavor right. of the, your research, I mean, this is a great. Uh, thank you. I recommended the to, yeah. to to the Clubhouse platform. Sure. Thank you. And yeah. and one other difference between conventional UV and this, I mentioned that conventional UV that fixed wavelength use uh, mercury lamp. And in the food, especially food uh, production environment, mercury is not good because once it is broken, it might be part of the food product itself and etc. So this technology, this lamp is using xenon gas or and maybe some other inert gases. So basically it doesn't cause any danger if it is broken or something like that. Of course, glass is still a danger, but at least mercury is eliminated uh, it use uh, inert gases like xenon gas gotcha thank you yeah. uh, oh, these are great questions oh thank you uh there i know there are more people on the stage if you still have some time uh sure. for <laughs> thank you uh, please flash your microphone if you have a question uh, yeah, Mayor, please go ahead. Hey, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy you came and shared with us, and we appreciate it. Um, we got kind of like something stuck out at me when you were talking, which was relating to the milk when you said that you had to use skim milk instead of regular milk because of the flavor. And I was thinking, okay, well, does that mean you have a light that can, utilizing this tech, could use it for other use, which is, modify flavors of food you know like can we make food taste better too right because it sounds to me like you know maybe if it had too much of an intense flavor there but like in other areas can that be used to make you know like and have you played around with that have you made like any other food taste like taste differently well we didn't but another work that we have done i can share that with you Uh, of course my research is mostly on microbiological applications so we like to focus on microbiology in my lab but with my colleague at uh, food science department at Penn State, we work on, uh, we even got a patent on that, uh, utilizing this on mushrooms, white button mushrooms, that it increased the vitamin D content. So once you use this pulse light on the mushroom, like now you don't have to use it like long time, like even uh, of course, the process is defined uh, on the patent. It's more clear when you read that. But 5, 10, or 15 pulses, or 3, 4 seconds treatment, basically, uh, we demonstrated that you increase the vitamin D content of the mushroom. So there are some mushroom processors in uh, US uh, have this technology in their production line to increase the vitamin D content of the mushroom. So yes, it can, it can do a lot of things. Uh, I cannot say, I can maybe say sky is the limit, but depends on uh, who apply to what purposes. I'm glad that this is happening. Maybe somebody in the audience have some clear, clever, my more other applications. They can always reach me out. We can work together. 
or uh, they can learn from this and go and apply by themselves. It is good to have different application because I may not think of it. It may not be my expertise, but somebody else can use this completely different new area. It can be in environmental, it can be in medical side, it can be in you know, any other science discipline. So sky is the limit. So it depends on who, who try different things. So we learn a lot from medical industry in uh, food, right? So it can be other way around also. Yeah, there's like Carlo, Carlo, we have Carlos in our uh, group here as well. Um, uh, Carlos, he has, he has mushroom, he, he grows hydroponic mushrooms. Um, yeah and has a you know mushroom system and so it'd be interesting to talk to talk to him like you should hang out on clubhouse more like come out come on come on with us and like i know we're having like a lecture series here but we also have rooms where we kind of like talk and you know based on listening to you and hearing your personality i think we'd have like you'd have fun with us because we're like a bunch of scientists and engineers and in in, in our pillar tribe we're like riff on we will sit there and kind of like riff on ideas and like things start to happen but this is i'm just <laughs> If we could change the flavor of some food, it'd be that. It'd be fun. And that's to... a unique idea, you know. It can be. I never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. That's like I was waiting the whole time. I was like, wait, what other yeah. food can we change flavors okay. to? And <laughs> and another application. It wasn't done at Penn State or not in my lab. Uh, one of my former PhD students work on this at a different university. They demonstrated that this treatment pulse light. I'll call it pulse light, uh, Frank, just for you. <laughs> uh, it actually decreased the allergen contents of peanut. Uh, so it can it can reduce the allergen content of peanut. A lot of people with those peanut allergies would like you to make right, that. Exactly. You can get rid of those. So they, they, they published, I think, a couple of papers on that, on allergen uh, reduction. That, that is so interesting and cool. I appreciate you sharing with us. Yeah. But hang and, out with us. Like, okay. uh, if you if you if you like this, like Katerina does this a lot. Like, uh, she'll bring on all these cool scientists and engineers. And there's some there's some good rooms in here, some science rooms. And if you follow Cami, she's yeah. on stage. She has a lot of brain. Yeah. Uh, 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 she has shows on the yeah. brain, and and so there's. We just, we just, I just like to see more scientists on here. You know, we need more, we need more scientists and engineers on here. And like you said, if you have, like you have this tech, and then there's a bunch of other interesting folks on here, then they could kind of show you uh, how you could use your tech. You could show them how they could right. use tech. Yeah, that's kind why, of, that's why I think this platform is so unique that you can bring different backgrounds together. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I'll pass, I'll pass the mic yeah. on to Joyce. Oh, hi. Um, I missed some of this, but did you discuss, um, you know, there are these um, UVC lights that are sold. Um, and I, in fact, I've bought them myself that that um, decontaminate, you know, they, they, they sell them as germ guards. I think they became very popular during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, is is this in some way related to that type of wavelength, UVC light? Yes, uh, you you missed the introduction part of it. Definitely, yes. Uh, this uh, technology is include that UV range, UV wavelength, but this is a broadband 
as opposed to fixed wavelength that those technologies convention uh, con uh, uh, conventional ones so those are uh, 258 nanometers fixed wavelength but this one is a broad wavelength goes from roughly 100 nanometer to 1100 nanometer but most of it or more than 50 percent of it still in the uv range that's why we call uh, uh, sometimes pulse uv light but there's a better term is the pulse light i see it's much broader that's very right. interesting and is it also um is it also like i know with the uvc light they say don't don't get it on your skin you know don't shine it on your skin i assume this light would be oh this is even worse much than worse <laughs> since it is so powerful so it has to be a confined chamber you know i yeah. show you the have a picture if you recall we have that uh, whole chicken uh, decontamination unit it looks open area but when we use it we really cover that uh, with a lot of protection because no human should be in the area when it is being applied in the hospital rooms when they send that uh, robot uh, they just evacuate the room and close the doors uh, until it is done so no human uh, should be uh, close to this or should not see the light thank you that that is the safety uh, precaution definitely yeah very interesting thanks yeah. So, so on this topic, I'd, I'd like to just jump in quickly and mention uh, there there is also, as I'm sure you're aware, the the far UVC um, from from uh, um, krypton chloride exomers generally mm -hmm. um, about 220 nanometers that mm -hmm. uh, is is effective uh, against airborne viruses like SARS-CoV-2. Um, how and and is being marketed, you know, as as a useful uh, um, mitigation uh, technology, which which it is. Um, however, I've seen it being, you know, oversold in in the sense that uh, you you see like uh, uh, cartoons of people holding a conversation face to face, um, mm -hmm. when in fact the the exposure time. You know, if, if you hold out your arm, right, and hold your palm up and exhale, right, and the time that it takes to feel that um, generally would not be long enough at, uh, at uh, useful and at, at practical intensities. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm just kind of like advocating, you know, and I could put you in touch with, with uh, aerosol scientists possibly uh, who hopefully would be interested in, in really critically evaluating, you know, what is and what is not a safe uh, distance for a face-to-face -face unmasked uh, conversation, for example, or uh, eating, you know, uh, and, and presumably exhaling and talking, right, at the same mm -hmm. time uh, in the presence of these these uh, lights, because I, you know, I while I think it's it's promising, and I'm I'm you know very much I, I would very much like to see them more widely used. What I'm really really concerned about is that things are being oversold, and I was wondering. Yeah. If you had any comments but, uh, on that? Yeah, as I said, this has to be confined area. No uh, people, women should be exposed to this. It's a very strong uh, energy delivery system. So uh, he, people shouldn't be eating and talking close by it anyway, unless it is covered. Like even our pilot system that we have, it is uh, in a chamber. 
covered by all the shields. Even the conveyor entry and the exit of the conveyor, uh, when the food or anything on the conveyor get into, they have curtains. So they have to be blocked uh, uh, from the light coming out of the chamber. So that's definitely, it's a confined area. Yeah, no, this is, this is uh, you know, specifically uh, something that is now yeah. being marketed. Yeah, uh, maybe, um, yeah. But those are the conventional UV. So as I said, their level is, energy level is low. So it, human exposure, of course, I'm not the expert on that to tell you. I don't have any research done. Uh, but if you lit, lit, read the literature, I'm sure uh, otherwise we wouldn't see those lamps on the walls of the restaurants or the hospitals. You know, you just pass underneath or buy it. So they are low energy uh, systems. So, so certain exposure limits, I think, uh, levels, they should be okay. But this is really uh, very different technology than that. Yeah. So so on the, on the mushroom thing, just so you know, we got Carlos here. Uh, the Carlos uh, um, Villamar, who I was telling you about, he's the one that makes the mushrooms, right? So yeah. it'd be kind of nice to just maybe have you guys talk about the, your light and how, like, can you mention again how your your tech, uh, you said it increases uh, the vitamins inside of the mushrooms or something, right? Well, can you specifically vitamin D. So mushroom is known to have vitamin D uh, when they are exposed to UV. Uh, but with this, that treatment time can be cut to, otherwise you have to keep the vitamin maybe hours and hours to make that uh, vitamin increase. But with this uh, research show that you can do this in a matter of seconds. That's why when the big mushroom manufacturers, they have the mushroom running on a conveyor, they install this unit. So that makes the mushroom rich uh, uh, vitamin D rich mushroom. So of course I cannot, I don't even know which company has it and uh, which one is uh, using this. Uh, so it is trade secret for those companies. <laughs> but uh, I know that uh, we have a patent and Penn State is uh, licensing that technology, whoever is interested in. So if anyone in the audience wants to know more about that, just shoot me an email. I'll put you uh, right person to talk more about that. Thank you for that. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I, I'm growing mushrooms outside in a greenhouse, uh, uh -huh. but I'm not doing any Take artificial light yet. Sorry about that. I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not doing any that's artificial that's lighting yet, but that's very, very interesting that you can... Yeah increase the vitamin d saturation rate to minutes as opposed to hours with conventional lights that's very very cool continue we for have, we have a couple papers out there if you shoot me an email i can share you those papers and uh, if you are more interested in that the lead researcher on that is a colleague of mine in food science you might need to maybe contact him and talk to him more about it I, I, I'm I'm driving right now, doctor. Would you mind PM, sending me a PM with um, uh, just a reminder and 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 uh, or if you have a link well, or something? I think uh, somebody. Uh, I, I think appreciate somebody it. Connected us. So oh, we're connected. Have, okay. So Beautiful. I have, I have the yeah, website have the listed. So if you go to my website, you can see my information. Okay, so so we're following each other. 
who made us contacted i i don't know i forgot uh, uh i i just Greg, followed you I'm right now i just followed you and i'm going to okay, send okay. you a, a dm message okay, okay. and then we we're connected okay. thank you so okay. much ali dr okay. ali you're welcome have a safe drive <laughs> all right katerina do you think yeah. uh, we have <laughs> enough discussion on this <laughs> Yes, I think. Um, thank you so much for, uh, you know, staying with us along and answering all these questions. We really appreciate it. And it's so interesting that thank you for asking that question with changing the flavor and then with the vitamin D. That's fascinating. I would love to know how it works. Like, on yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for inviting me. I hope uh, everyone attended, uh, enjoyed this uh, presentation and conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed myself. Yes, also. thank you. And please come back, as Maya said, anytime. Uh, if you have maybe updates on another project or, you know, we can keep talking about this definitely, project again. Definitely. Well, everyone have a nice evening or have a nice day. Uh, stay safe. And who knows, our path will cross again somewhere sometime. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Make food taste better. I think, I think, I think we would all appreciate food tasting better. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Let's, let's just bring different food over. Don't yeah. you think? We Getting rid of food poisoning is a good one, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Especially lasagna. I love lasagna. Let's make lasagna taste a little bit better, too. Right. I don't think it doesn't taste good, like salad. So make yeah. people more. Yeah. Kale. Let's make right. kale more tasty. <laughs> With more vitamin D too, right? Like we basically increase the nutrients and make it taste better. Yeah. Right? Figuring out a way to do that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Exactly. So we one day maybe we can do that. Okay. Yeah, and and thank you everyone for coming, asking questions. If you like discussions like this, follow the club, follow people here on stage. Um, follow um, you know, especially our guest speaker. Um, and um. We will have another room on Thursday. Uh, Dr. Harrington, he will talk about green materials inspired by nature, uh, which are really interesting. I, you, you know, he makes like extra strong glue with, with materials um, from nature and all these, you know, other applications. It's, it's really interesting research. And on Friday, Dr. Onan from MIT will be coming talking about the artificial neurons he created and that they are 10,000 times faster than regular brain neurons. Um, and we will have more guest speakers than following weeks. I think uh, we are like booked until like mid-October. So uh, we will have a lot of more. If you want to learn, come back. And I hear you all back soon. And of course, Dr. Ali Damici, thank you so much. And um, I hope you get a lot of more funding to to make different flavors now. Well, that's very important to continue, right? <laughs> Thank you so much. You know that as a researcher. <laughs> exactly. That's all. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye. Thank you so much. Close the room in three, two, one. Bye, everyone. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye.